0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of 7 Minutes or Less, this is Ben, and I'm sure all you Knicks fans out there are pretty bummed out, Um, all you non-Knicks fans, a lot of you are my friends, Uh, you know, you're just rubbing it in, and I don't blame you, I think the media, I said from the beginning, this is 2010 all over again, I'm like, I, I didn't even believe that we can get a meeting with Durant, but... Here's the thing: If you listen to my podcast, you know how I felt about signing Kevin Durant after an Achilles rupture, Um, and I never, I never liked Kyrie Irving. So, in Knicks fan fashion, I'm going to be an optimist, even though I probably shouldn't be. But I'll tell you why. Let's 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 see. Let's look at all the good things that Scott Perry is doing right now, and I'm not even talking about his signings. I'm talking about not. Offering the full, according to the rumors, um, the Knicks didn't want to offer Durant a full max and showing restraint. Whether that's a true story or just a spin, I think that it's a great sign because we're not just going to give someone a four year contract full max, not knowing what their situation is. Durant's going to be what 32 when he comes back. Nobody besides Dominique Wilkins came back and they never lasted more than two years. I think what's going to happen with Brooklyn is you have the malcontent, Kyrie Irving, around all their young players, which did not work in Boston. So now you're going to have him, and it remains to be seen if he's an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell. So you have Kyrie Irving coming in a year without any help, without Kevin Durant, and he had he's had five knee surgeries. He missed the playoffs. Um, two years ago, his first year in Boston. And then he got injured in the finals one year with the Cavs. He did not play well this year in the playoffs. So Kyrie Irving is quite overrated, especially for that price. And I actually think this could end up backfiring on them because don't forget, Durant's going to miss a year. And when he comes back, it's going to take him time to recover. Remember, like, uh, Paul George and... Um, Gordon Hayward, you know, they've had, they had devastating injuries and it took them time to get back to, you know, normal. I don't think Hayward is back to normal, Um, but again, it takes time and Durant's going to be older, but I do think Durant will still be a solid player. I argued before that. I think he could be like a Dirk Nowitzki type, but if you listen to my podcast, I always said, This is plan C for the Knicks, Kevin Durant. I don't want Kevin Durant. I wanted Kevin Durant alone without Kyrie Irving. I said I'd be willing, that would be a good plan B if we signed a bunch of like one year guys with Durant. But this could end up being another disaster for the Nets where they, and they did trade picks to make room where, you know, they they made that deal for Garnett and Pierce. Um, Granted, those guys were older, but I do think that everyone's expecting them to win a title. Now, a lot depends on where Kawhi Leonard goes. If Kawhi stays in the East, I think the Raptors and the Sixers are the best teams in the East. Um, I don't think the Nets have enough have what it takes to beat them. I think we have to remember the Bucks are probably going to get better with Giannis. So the Nets are going to have an uphill battle. Now, are the Knicks doing this the right way? That's the question. And I do think they are. You may disagree with you know oh why did we give so much money to Taj Gibson? He's a vet minimum guy at this point. He's 34 years old. If you look at the advanced stats, he was he's a top he was a top 50 player this past year. Um, and in general, he everyone likes him. You know he's a good locker room presence. He works hard. We basically got him, Bobby Portis, another good outside shooting big man. He he plays with toughness, and obviously the Bruiser. Um, Julius Randle was a great signing, in my opinion, at that price because you're only giving up two years with the team option. So basically, we signed a bunch of two-year option guys. Um, sorry, two-year deal guys. And uh, Reggie Bullock was a was a decent signing. Again, is it is he much of an upgrade over, let's say, like Courtney Lee a few years ago? He's probably the same player. Um, but again, right now, they're clearly not getting bunch of guys to, to play right now they're getting guys who can you know, they're, they're not signing these guys to necessarily be like starters or get big minutes they're getting these guys to be good veteran veteran leaders and then you you might look at someone like um you know uh you might look at someone like Taj Gibson getting two years 20 million why is he getting so much um more than you know guys at his position um Ed Davis for example in Utah he got two years, $10 million. But the thing is, when you sign up with a contender, you're usually taking a discount. And a, and a veteran presence, like, let's say, let's say the Knicks got Horford, they got um, Taj Gibson to be like a Horford light. You're doing that because you're overpaying because that's what it takes to, for a bad team to get a good player, you know, a good veteran. Veterans will usually take more to go to a bad team, um, whereas they would take less to go to a contender. So it's obvious why Ed Davis is getting more money. And I think Taj Gibson is better than Ed Davis. Um, so to me, that was maybe the most perplexing signing. I think Portis is still young enough. I think Bullock is kind of like on the fringe. Um, but these are good guys to put around RJ Barrett, Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Trier, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, so really, the offseason was about signing Julius Randle, who I wanted. If you go back to my podcast, I said I want this guy. That's my second option, actually, after if we miss out on Kawhi. And let's be real, we were never going to get Kawhi. Um, And paying D'Angelo the max, although I wanted to get D'Angelo, I said not at the max. I think Golden State paid way too much giving up picks and giving giving him a max contract. Um, If you look at the trajectory of Dennis Smith Jr. at the same age, he could potentially be the same player. I mean, similar numbers. Um, And this should be his breakout year. Um, on this team, could he put up 18, 20 points a game? Probably. Um, he's got to improve his three point shooting, but I think, I think, you know, the Knicks are obviously investing in their point guard that they have at a fraction of the cost and they still have, you know, I'm sure they still believe in him. I hope they do. I mean, there were reports that they wanted to trade him, but now there's video surfacing of him, you know, shooting in a gym and Fizdale, uh, being there watching, cheering him on, So, that's a big deal. He also seems like he put on muscle. And he had two injury-riddled seasons. So, let's see what he can do. I think he can still be like our Marcus Smart. Um, You know, uh, a great defender and a guy who could guard multiple positions. And if he just improves his jumper, which I think he can because his shot's not broken, then that's a solid role player. You don't need a superstar at every position. I just want our draft picks to develop into, you know, rotation guys. You know, guys... Top you know, top eight players, basically, on an NBA roster. That's what I want. I don't need Ke- Kevin Knox to be an all-star. I need Kevin Knox to be 15 points a game. Like, If he's Rudy Gay, great, because look where we drafted him. R.J. Barrett, I expect him to be a star. That's somebody who I want in two years. I, I want to see him growing. I want to see him reaching all-star status. But Mitchell Robinson, to me, is our best prospect right now. Um, I think he's going to be an all-star within the next two years. I think he's a top three center in the East already. And maybe that's a hot take. But let's address the elephant in the room, and that's James Dolan. Everyone, you know, you can cry about the fact that we traded KP. We traded him for basically Dennis Smith Jr. and two late first round picks. We could have gotten more for him. That's an argument I've made before, whether we waited until the end of the deadline last year or wait till the offseason now. But again, you never know who knows what information they got regarding his uh, rape case. And, um, you know, who knows what happened? We really don't know. He came in there with his brother saying he's demanding a trade. Maybe they didn't want. I I think just Dolan didn't want to have any um, lingering uh, stories in the newspaper. They're just, you know, seeing how KP wants that. It was just gotten ugly going into free agency where they expected to at least get a meeting. But here's the problem. We made. We made the mistake of believing that, you know what, Scott Perry has a great relationship with people, Fizdale, and we and he probably does, but the fact of the matter is, they didn't even get a meeting with Durant, and it's possible that they didn't get a meeting with Durant because they put it out there that, you know, we're not going to give him the full max after looking at his medicals, but I don't think that's a true story. That might be a spin. Maybe it is a true story. So assuming it is a true story, they didn't even get the meeting with Kevin Durant, and again... That's not a problem for me because I never wanted Durant off of the Achilles as option B. Option A was obviously Kawhi. Option B was Julius Randle. Option C was Durant. But the problem is, is that it tells a story of where, how the Knicks are perceived still. Because I made the argument in my last podcast with Yoni that they, the, the teams around the league, players around the league, cannot they're not just going to decide to come to the Knicks because wow, they're tanking and they're getting all these assets and they seem to have good leadership. You need to put together, you need to string together a few good years, maybe like three, four years, not one and a half, two years of, you know, growth and, um, you know, showing that your talent is actually developing and winning games, okay? The Nets did it that way. The Nets had no picks when Sean Marks took over for Billy King and he stockpiled assets He played it smart. He took on these garbage players like Alan Crabb. He made risky moves, you know, but at the same time, he stockpiled assets. And he put together a young team that could compete in the East, which is not that hard to compete in the East. On the the bottom-dwelling teams in the East, the Knicks could technically make the playoffs. That's how bad the East is on the bottom. The top four teams are good. But, again, he put together a team that he showed where all you need to do is add a good max free agent or two and we can be contenders. And the Knicks have to prove that, which is why they're going after these veterans. This is why they're going after the Taj Gibson. They, they want to they show that they're developing their players, but they want to show them a winning culture. They want to show them that we're here to win now as well. So tanking again, tanking doesn't necessarily do much for you in free agency. And the Knicks need to become a free agent attraction again. And the question is, is that... Is it the fact that Dolan owns the team? Because if that's the case, then we're totally screwed forever. And then we just keep... We have to just keep tanking and tanking and tanking. But I think that in the East, you you don't necessarily have to tank because now they change the lottery rules. And we see if you end up with a low pick, you know, like the Bulls this year, everyone, you know, the Bulls are supposed to get a high pick. And they ended up late in the draft. What was it? The seventh pick? The Knicks can't afford doing that again. I mean, you're not going to get a superstar over there. And... You know, we've we've seen with even Philadelphia that trusting the process, quote unquote, is very risky because they signed two, they they drafted two players, Embiid and Simmons, who missed their first year plus, um, so that that could have easily gone awry, and that was a huge risk. And then they they whiffed. You know, they had seven years of tanking. They whiffed on on drafting. Let's say. They, they picked Okafor over Porzingis and D'Angelo. Um, they picked Michael Carter Williams. Remember that he, he ended up winning Rookie of the Year, but that was a terrible, you know, draft class. But um, they could have had Giannis and They could have had Rudy Gobert. They missed out on, on on franchise cornerstones, three of them. So let's not pretend that just tanking is going to do it. I think the new NBA, the way it's going, it's all about relationships. It's all about getting you know young pieces surrounded by good veterans like the nets did follow that model and you will attract free agents but the question remains james dolan what are we going to do with this guy he has to sell the team honestly we have to like pick it outside of his office uh, outside of msg because it's getting out of control now if he makes amends with charles oakley i think that's a must he's got to do that at the very least and he's got to stop going on television and talking because he totally looked like a buffoon going out and saying, we believe we're going to get someone big. And now he just put pressure on himself. And if you fire Scott Perry and and Mills, well, actually, I don't mind if he fires Mills. But if you fire Scott, fire Scott Perry, then I'm seriously done with this team. I've really had enough. You know, you got to see it through. You just got to, you know, let one front office, you know, just see, see their plan through and. Again Scott Mill uh, Scott Perry um, I think has done a good job so far. Um, it's Steve Mills who I think um, should be should have a very tight leash right now because what has he really done? You know who knows if he's the one pressuring Perry to, to make certain moves and um, I don't like the fact that Mills is involved in anything related to basketball. he should just be on the business side. I don't think he knows anything about basketball um and he's been part of a few regimes he was involved in the hiring of Isaiah he worked closely with Phil Jackson i just think and he made that Tim Hardaway signing he couldn't make the mellow deal at the end uh trading him he was about to, to wave him and stretch him so i think the sh- the short leash should be on, on Perry on Scott uh Steve Mills um i also think that you know Steve Mill stood in the way of us getting someone like David Griffin, a really competent president, team president, um, someone with real experience around the league. Like someone like David Griffin, he has some pull. But again, no matter who we got, it doesn't make a difference if you got Pat Riley again, God forbid. Because as long as Dolan is at the helm, we're not getting anybody. We're not getting any marquee free agents. When was the last time? This is what I said before free agency. Because I was kind of talked into, oh, the Knicks are going to sign Durant. But I was very pessimistic. And I'm usually a very optimistic guy when it comes to the Knicks. But I said, when was the last time the Knicks got a marquee free agent? I remember as a kid, they were like, yeah, we're going to get Reggie Miller and Gary Payton. But who do we end up with? We ended up with Alan Houston and Chris Childs. Now, Houston ended up becoming a good player. But at the time, he was a young player in Detroit. He wasn't... a majorly sought after player and there was a discussion whether he should even be starting over Starks at the time that they signed him but it turned out to be the best signing ever but that wasn't like a marquee free agent coming to the Knicks and 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 uh, you know taking, taking the responsibility of, of putting this team on his back, this franchise on his back no, that's never happened that's never happened before, Amare when he signed with the Knicks he was their biggest signing ever um, he signed with the Knicks after Phoenix wouldn't insure the last two years on his contract because of his knees and they turned out to be right terrible terrible signing at the time and people love to say though that was good he put new york back on the map and that's why carmelo wanted to come here carmelo anthony was never about winning carmelo anthony was the worst move that Knicks have done in many years i know you i don't know for some reason people have this nostalgia for for carmelo anthony i mean he was a losing player and he made them... He couldn't wait till the offseason. If he really wanted to sign as a free agent, he could have. But he ended up blowing up the team. They could have had uh, Danilo Gallinari and what ended up becoming Jamal Murray and a bunch of other assets that they had. Wilson Chandler was still a good player at the time. So, you know, it just, it just goes to show that people do not... Players, marquee players, do not want to come to the Knicks unless they're milking them. Unless they know that they're on their last legs. And this is a way for them to, you know, get their last, sal- their last con- big contract. And we see, we've seen over the years, Elton Brand, Grant Hill, they use the Knicks media to to kind of, you know, create a, you know, a buzz around themselves. But then they never end- never ended up intending on signing here, and that's usually the case with the Knicks. So Scott Perry's a man of his word. He said, if we strike out on. On this, the top free agent, whether you know, I'm happy they didn't give money to Jimmy Butler, that would have been the easy move. We didn't sign cousins, at least so far. Um, so I think Perry kept his word, he said, We're gonna work on developing these young players, and we got to put together some, you know, we got to show people that we're on a winning trajectory, that we're actually heading towards something good, we, we're gonna get closer to making the playoffs. Because the fact of the matter is, if you tank, you risk falling out of the top five in, in the lottery. Unless you have the worst team in the league, which I don't think will happen again. Um, and then if you try and you still have a bad team, you're still you're going to end up in the same range, you know, the seven to twelve range in, in the draft. So you might as well start trying. You might as well start putting together a team that can attract free agents. Free agents want to join a team that they feel like they're almost there and they're ready to take a jump now. The great thing about what Perry did is he positioned us for two years from now, um, for the next free agent class, because um, next year's free agent class is horrible. Um, it's Draymond Green and a bunch of nobodies. The following year is Giannis and but again, that's just stupid if we think we're gonna get someone like him, unless RJ Barrett becomes like a twenty-point scorer by then and Knox turns into like a budding star. But again, a lot can happen in the next two years, and I just I'm happy we have a plan. I'm happy there were no panic moves. I'm happy that what Perry said he was going to do, he did. And that's that means something to me. That shows that you know, he's not going to cave to the pressure of the media and you know, the promises of James Dolan that he made to the fans on Michael K show. I like the fact that we have an actual plan. I'm not necessarily again, I'm not crazy about those other you know signings. I like the Portis signing, and I like and I love the Julius Randle signing. Um, I think that was very you know it was a not such a high risk, but it was a very high reward. Um, that's an All-Star caliber player right there, 24 years old, averaging 21 and 8. I mean, the dude the dude can ball, um, and he's perfect. He's the perfect fit next to you know Knox and Mitchell Robinson because he brings that toughness, that inside presence. Um, and he's, he's somewhat of a veteran at this point. So I really like that signing Portis. I, I'm, I was always high on. And again, I would be livid if these guys got three year deals like Portis and, and, uh, especially Taj and, uh, you know, Reggie Bullock was a good signing, but I'm, I'm, happy that we got them to a two-year deal because that's not a long-term commitment. If it was three years or four years, I'd be losing my mind because that's Tim Hardaway or Joe Noah all over again. So looking at the contracts that were given out yesterday, the insane contracts, this could be that Mozgov year again or little ding where people are getting crazy contracts. I mean, if you look at Tobias Harris's contract, I think Julius Randle is better than Tobias Harris already. So he's getting a fraction of what um, of what Tobias Harris got and that to me is very fair. I think that's a very good signing. I, we have about $18 million left to spend. I'm curious to know how Scott Perry spends it. I'm assuming they're gonna get a guard, a point guard and a maybe like a small forward. The guys who I would target, honestly, are Bruno Caboclo at small forward. He showed some Some talent at the last month of the season. I mean, that's always very risky. I mean, Azonia did the same thing, but a few million dollars committed to him over two years, I think, is a worthwhile gamble to take. And I also think that the point guard that we should pursue is not somebody who would stand in the way of developing. Um, I really wanted Patrick Beverly. I thought he would have been a perfect vet, but he obviously wants to win. He wants to stay in LA. I think that. At this point, from the available guards, I don't see them getting Seth Curry because I think he's gonna probably go to the Lakers if they don't get Kawhi. But Curry is somebody who I'm interested in because he's not gonna take away too many minutes from our young guys, but he can also bring something to the table that no one else on the team has, which is shooting. He's been one of the best three-point shooters, if not the best, over the last three seasons. So he's somebody who I'd like to see. I don't want like a Rondo, that's always a risk. But again, it wouldn't drive me crazy if we got him for a year or two. Um, I I would like to see, you know, a solid point guard, like maybe like a George Hill. Um, you know, he has a good relationship with Perry. Perry ended, ended up being uh, uh, Perry was part of the Kings team that gave him that big contract. But he obviously didn't make that that call. That was Vlade. But he has a good relationship with him. And George Hill is really the kind of guy who's hes going to maybe play 10, 15 minutes a game on this kind of team. But he's going to be a great presence around these young guys. He's going to teach them defensive principles and t- teach them how to play smart basketball. So that's probably the kind of guy I would, I would sign. I don't know if they're going to sign Wayne Ellington at this point. Um, we have Bullock already. What would be the point? Um, I think Ellington's a good shooter. But... He's going to stand in the way of Dotson, Trier, and probably Frank. Um, I, I kind of want to just see... I think we're, we're good at shooting guard. Um, I think point guard is something we need to address. And maybe, you know, like a small forward. I don't know if we need another... I think if we're going to get another big man, it should be Luke Cornett. Just bring him back. We have our veterans already, so I think he still has some developing to do. A 3 and D center. Those are not easy to come by. Um... I wouldn't mind if we get another big just for the novelty of it and I think he's a solid player I wouldn't mind Boban on like a one-year deal I like him Um, again at this point you're basically signing veterans Randall was the only young guy we went after so fill up the rest of the team with veterans and veterans are what makes that's what makes teams overachieve in my opinion because if you look at the the 2013-14 Knicks when they literally had an old age home. They had Kurt Thomas, Kenyon Martin, Amar Stoudemire, uh, Tyson Chandler, uh, Marcus Camby, Rashid Wallace, Jason Kidd. Who am I forgetting? I don't remember. But we had a bunch of these old guys. Was Pablo on that? Yeah, Pablo Prigioni. It was a bunch of old guys, and a lot of them didn't even play. But just having those guys around, a guy like Carmelo Anthony, you know, he he was on his best behavior. Jr. Smith was on his best behavior for the most part. Except for that, that elbow he threw at Jason Terry in the playoffs. Well, forget about that for now. But it, it's great to have a, a veteran presence in your ear. You can't put a bunch of young guys together and expect them to, you know, l- do things the right way. They have to form good habits. And these are the kind of veterans. The Knicks haven't had great veteran leadership since then. Um, I think Lance Thomas was solid, but, you know, he wasn't that good. Um, the veterans that we got, Taj Gibson, he can ball. He's not somebody who's not going to play. He's not just an an assistant coach on the roster. He's an actual player. Um, So I think that these guys are going to be great for our young guys. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what we do the rest of the offseason. And I guess we'll check back in once we make our final signings.